Well, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Um, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're talking about kingdom living. A kingdom is a realm in which the will and the power of a king are expressed. And so as we are members of the kingdom of God, then our job is to demonstrate the will and the power of our king, King Jesus. Jesus has warned us about seeking the approval of men other than God. If we're just going to kind of summarize the Sermon on the Mount. And then he warned us regarding our concern and worry about food and clothing rather than seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so he tells us very clearly, this will fix it. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then you won't have to get weighed down with the worry about food and clothing and shelter and those things. And then he deals with relationships within the kingdom. And he says, don't exalt yourself over others in the kingdom. And he said, do not judge. And you'll remember that he is not telling us that we are not to make assessments based on judgment. And uh, some people take that verse and really distort it. I think Satan loves it, and he helps with that. When we want to think that Jesus said, do not judge, so I'm never to have an opinion about anything bad anybody does. Don't go there. That's not what it's talking about. Um, he is concerned about the matter of condemning, of condemning another person's heart. And so a condemning spirit is rooted in self-righteousness, isn't it? If I'm going to condemn you, it's because I think I'm better than you are, whatever I'm condemning you about. So the procedure then of getting a splinter out of an eye is a very intricate operation, isn't it? Uh, your Bible may say moat, some Bibles say splinters, but there's probably more, no organ that's more sensitive than the eye to somebody poking around in it, right? Um, so dealing with it, if you're going to take a splinter or a moat out of somebody else's eye, then you want somebody that's going to be patient and calm and careful and sympathetic, and you just want them to do it right be easy with it so parallel that if you will with the spiritual realm because if you're going to handle somebody's soul you're going to touch a very sensitive part of that person and so that's why Jesus gave us that parallel thought and so how are we going to handle when we need to help deal with somebody's soul if I need to get a splinter out of somebody's soul how am I going to do that well we're going to do it by being humble we're going to be humble. We're going to be conscious of our own sin. We're going to be conscious of our own unworthiness. And so when we're dealing with this, instead of wanting to condemn somebody, the heart of Jesus and what he's explaining here is that you want to weep. You want to weep over it instead of point a finger at it. And so we want to help and restore that person. And I think... Um, one of the things that we always need to, to remember that whatever you're dealing with, wherever a person's gotten in a mess, wherever there's a problem, the long-term goal is always to restore. Always to restore that person and never to knock them down and not let them get up.
Well, then suddenly, we were last week where he talked about dogs and swine. So we understand that we're not to judge in the sense of condemning. But that is not Jesus' total statement about the matter. If we just studied the first five verses of chapter 7, we would misunderstand the whole thing. And so we don't want to draw a false conclusion by not reading the rest of the book, reading the rest of the sentence, reading the rest of the chapter. And so we most likely would avoid judging anybody or anything about anything. And that's what some people want us to do. That's certainly what the enemy wants us to do with that verse where Jesus said, do not judge. Mm -hmm. Don't you be in here talking to me because Jesus said, don't you judge. Well, that's not all he said. That's not all he said. So what he then talks about when he's talking about dogs and swine is our learning to use spiritual discrimination. Discrimination in the sense of understanding one thing from another. We discriminate amongst stuff. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to have to determine who the dogs are and who the swine are. Now, we read some passages of Scripture last week that help us to know who those are. But what do we know about swine? In this part, he says, um, don't give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. So we know that swine have no regard for pearls. If you throw your nicest pearls in a pig pen, what's going to happen to them? You know, they're going to eat them, trample them, whatever. And then the same thing with uh, dogs, you will remember, in this day, in this culture, were scavengers. Uh, they were not sweet pets that you want sitting in your lap at home. Um, they were mean. They were attacking everybody and everything. So what that was about that we looked at last week is we are to protect the treasure of God's precious truths. And so we're going to learn to discern who those people are that are ready to be given God's truth. These are God's word is like precious pearls, pearls, priceless pearls. And so we don't want to just carelessly throw God's word out there to somebody that's going to abuse it, somebody that's going to trample on it, uh, somebody that's going to try to destroy it, distort it. And so we may judge dogs and swine and false prophets and sin and wrong behavior and wrong doctrine. But how are we going to judge it? We're not going to judge it by the standard of my own personal opinion. I'm going to judge it by the standard of God's word. This is always our standard. It's always our plumb line. And everything is to be held up to this. But we cannot judge the motives of another person's heart. Um, sometimes our perspective is not the truth. Uh, we don't have all of the information all, always. And so we can see somebody do something, and I'm bad about it. We can draw all of a sudden draw a conclusion about it, but the conclusion won't be right because I didn't have all the information. There's only one that has all of the information, and who is that? It is God himself. So let's read verses 7 through 12. And I want to tell you that we're not going to finish this today because there's a whole lot more to this than than um, what I can really get into this morning. But let's read verses 7 through 12. So remember what he's talked about. He's talked about judging. He's talked about 
not giving what is holy to dogs, not throwing pearls before swine. And then he says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf? Will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, will he, uh, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, the first part of verse 12 is the key to that whole passage. Did you see it? The first part of verse 12. However you want people to treat you, so treat them. What do we call that? The golden rule. The golden rule. Did any of you have Miss H. A., Mrs. H.A. Jones for third grade teacher? Every morning in Ms. H.A. H. Jones' third grade class, we would put on golden gloves. You remember that, Marcel? And I've tried back through the years to figure exactly how we did that. But we would say the Pledge of Allegiance and would say the Lord's Prayer. And then we'd put on our golden gloves. And they were imaginary gloves. And you'd, you'd put them on. And it would say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, I'm not sure what two words we put together to make it come out to ten. But um, we put them on. And then we would fasten them with be ye kind one to another. And then we'd sit down and go to work. And so I still think of Ms. Jones when I think of the golden rule. And we did that every day. So this part right here in verse 12, is the culmination of verses 1 through 11. Think about that. So you've got it. Verse 12, the golden rule, is the culmination of, the, of verses 1 through 11. So what we're dealing with here is that we're dealing with relationships. The whole law, as it relates to this world, can be summed up Jesus told, told us how to sum it up. How would he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And love your neighbors as yourself. So that's the summary of all of God's law. So look what he says in the end of verse 12. For this is the law and the prophets. And so... Another way, you know, to say all of this is just remember it as the golden rule. Now, now let me throw this in here. <clears throat> Unbelievers aren't able to do this. You'll see bits and pieces of it. You may see a little, you know, portion of it. You may see somebody doing it sometimes. Only the children of God can live like this because we have to have the Holy Spirit empowering us to even think it, much less do it. 
Okay, so who's Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom. And so since God is our loving and caring father, when that vertical relationship is right, then our horizontal relationships are going to follow. He is always number one, okay? So when I'm focused on him and I'm yielding to him and I'm letting him live his life through me and I'm letting Jesus show up in me, then that's going to show up by me keeping the golden rule in my relationships, in my horizontal relationships. So these first 12 verses of chapter 7 can be summarized by love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let me show you how. Because when you first look at that, you think, do what? I did. And so I got into it. And so if you're going to love somebody, that means love has a two-sided thing. I'm, if I'm going to love you, there are some things I'm going to do for you. There are also some things I'm not going to do because I love you. Okay? So we've got a positive side and a negative side. Now, verses 1 through 6 here are negatives. You know, you get the do nots. Do not judge. You know, do not uh, look at the speck in your brother's eye. So he's saying if you, when you're loving somebody, those things in the first six verses are things you're not going to do. If we're going to, then, then the verses 7 through 12 are the positive things. Those are the things I am going to do. So you've got both sections there in this first part of chapter 7. If we're going to love the way God loves, if love is going to rule our lives, then we're going to realize that it is not characteristic of the love of a believer to criticize and judge and condemn people. Do you know people that do that? Do you ever encounter people that you think, oh my goodness, here she comes. And it goes on and on and there's something always wrong and nothing is ever enough and it's just constant, constant finger pointing. Now, I'm not saying you can't be a believer and do that, but you know what? You're going to be a miserable believer. And that misery is going to transfer into other parts of your life and your thinking and it's going to transfer into the lives of the people around you. And if you're like me, there are times when you see them coming, you're going back, have something you got to go do. Right? And so, all of these things, you know, are, are a part of loving. They're a part of loving. And so, love is doing these things. And so, that's why we're going to take the end of verse 12, and then we're going to back up for next week. Okay? But verse 12 begins with what word? Therefore. Okay, so there's a clue, Sherlock. It begins with the word therefore. Now the King James Version says, all things, whatever you would that men should do to you. How many things? All things. All things. So we are to do as we would have them do Regardless of what they do. Mm. Because that's what God does for us. That's the way God loves us. We're not just to avoid certain things. You know, if somebody comes up, you know, I may avoid blessing them out. 
And that may be a part of loving. But what he's talking about here is what are you going to do instead of? How are you going to replace this? So how does God love us? He does all kinds of things for us. And he doesn't do a lot of things that he could do, right? That's called mercy. Okay? So why are we to love one another as we love ourselves? Well, the first reason is what he tells you in the end of verse 12, when he says all of the law and the prophets are summarized in love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you want to know all of the law and all of the prophets, those, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. But there is another reason. Go back to verse 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be open. Now this is the context of these verses. Now when you're interpreting scripture, there's basically one interpretation of the scripture. You're going to see what that interpretation, what the truth is in that context. But there can be many applications. And that's why we're going to finish, that next, finish this next week, okay? But the context here is what I want you to see. Because it's so easy to pick this out and think, well, this is all I need to know. If I ask him, he's going to give it. If I seek, he's going to uh, let me find it. So... It's just real simple. It's, it's not just a, a something that I can sign off on and expect God to do whatever I come up with. That's not what this is. <clears throat> the context of this is that whatever we ask and seek and knock for, we're going to receive. Therefore, we can feel free to give whatever we have to others and to take care of them because we can go to God and he's going to give it back. It's not just about me going to him to get what I want. It's about me having access so that I can be a conduit. So that when I begin to give to others or serve others, I may need energy. I may need money. I may need time. And whenever I start to give those things away in the context of these relationships and giving to others here, I don't have to worry about losing it because I can ask and he's going to give it back. He becomes a part of that conduit. We have a father who is our ultimate and eternal resource. We have his word on it. So that's why it becomes my job, my focus, my mental discipline to focus on him and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that I'm in the position to receive all of these things. He's going to add unto me. Do you see that? Now before we talk about all of the other applications of, of uh, asking and seeking and knocking, which we'll do next week, we've got to understand the context. Okay? What's it here for? What is the therefore, therefore in verse 12? He's summarizing all of it. So I can do unto others without having fear 
of having nothing left because I have a father whom we've been talking about all through the Sermon on the Mount who has promised to meet my needs. So <clears throat> my thing becomes, to what degree do I believe that? To what degree do I trust him to do that? Uh, so what, what we have to do, and our goal for today is to look at this whole passage so if I'm going to be discriminating and discerning, how can I do that? Who is able? How can I look around and, and look at a group of people and they're smiling and they're friendly and maybe I like them, they may be friends, but I'm looking around going, okay, how am I going to figure out who's the dog and who's the pig? Only one person knows that. Who is it? God. God knows who the dogs and the swine are, you know. So he is the only one who is able to see the sin in a believer's life and loving, lovingly restore them. So if I want to have that heart, that discernment, if I'm going to, to know how I'm to react and according to this command of Jesus, then I'm going to have to ask him. And so how am I going to do that? I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm going to seek and keep on seeking. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking. And he's going to show me. That's the context of the verse. The context of the verse is how am I going to take that and use it for the instruction that's in the passage. So at the heart of all of this is not our performance. It is our relationship and fellowship with God. The Pharisees, whom he's talking about and whom he's making a contrast with, knew nothing of that. They weren't going to do that. Why? Because their hearts were drenched with self-righteousness. And so he gives us truth so that we can be responsible, but that truth also makes me recognize that I have to be dependent on him. He will never give us enough stuff. He will never give us enough truth so that we ever get to the place where we don't have to depend on him because that's part of the relationship. That's who we are. So what do I have to do? Ask, seek, knock. And you'll see next week those verb tenses are ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, Knock and keep on knocking. Not that you're aggravating him to death, but that you're walking in that fellowship with him. That's where we find out how to get the splinter out of a brother's eye. So if you've got some people that you love who have splinters in their souls, that's where you start. You show it to me and show us how to get this out of here. This is where we learn about what it means to give things that are holy to dogs and about casting pearls before swine. You're going to know. There's going to be a discerning factor in you as you open your heart to him because of the presence of that Holy Spirit to just walk off. And now some people are going to say, well, that ain't right. How are you going to, you know, what if those people aren't going to get saved? That's not my job. It is the Holy Spirit's job to save them. Okay, And if the Lord does not give you a word to speak to them in that moment, you need to hush. If he's giving you a word to speak in that moment, I can promise you, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. So 
when we ask and seek and knock, then he's going to reveal to us what we need to know about a situation. But understand that takes constant fellowship and constant looking to him. It's a lifestyle. It's what occupies our mind. So there's so much to talk about here, especially in verse 7 and the other applications of what it is to ask and seek and knock. And I want to finish that uh, next week. I just don't want to have to do it in a hurry. But I want you to just think for just a minute, and we're going to close with this. If evil, this is what he says, if evil, unregenerate, sinful parents give their children the basics of life, what more is God going to do for you? Now, who's evil? All of us. Because what? Even when we become Christians, we still have sin, don't we? And so what Jesus is saying, look, don't you think you being a sinner, needing a Savior, don't you think if you're willing to give good things to your children that your heavenly father will do even more. I guess that's where my heart keeps coming back to in this whole passage is the whole thing of thinking of him, of realizing, of knowing he is our heavenly father. Heavenly father. A good, good father. The one who provides for us. So hold that in your minds and hearts and we'll start right there next week. Do you have any questions? Uh Yes. We condemn the sin and we condemn the sin on the basis of the word of God. We can offer them the gospel. Yes. And how are we going to offer the gospel? I'm not going to go in there and bang them on the head with my Bible. What am I going to do? I'm going to hold out a hand and offer another way. Some of these people are going to have to see our love and care and gentleness and patience when we try to get the splinter out before they're ever going to let us touch them. Right? Any other questions? The Bible condemns the sin. It's not coming from my own displeasure or dislike for a person or an activity. Okay. Anything else? I love you and I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you.